And welcome to the Power Switch, gaming's call-in talk radio show. My name is Peter Spasia, and today is January 10th, 2017. This is the third episode of the podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We use Discord as a means to add and drop callers to talk about video games and switch the power that's found in a typical gaming podcast. You can join our server to participate during recordings at bit.ly slash thepowerswitch. That's with TPS in uppercase. We are brought to you by RhymesWithAsia.com. In the coming weeks, we'll be working on broadcasting our live recordings on Twitch, plus making the show available on podcast services like iTunes and Google Play. If you're new to the show, we're hoping to have these podcasts happen at least every weekend, but also during certain weekdays, generally lining up with the evenings of when big game news breaks. First, I open the show for about 10 minutes to reflect on the show's main topic. Then after a small commercial break, we set up callers to join the show to either discuss the show's main topic or bring up any gaming question of their choosing. Once that has run its course, I'll end the show with a fun segment and we'll call it a day, hopefully in about an hour's time. If that sounds like your kind of podcast, then let's get right into it. So I have a simple question to open things up here, and it may sound simple, but in reality, it's not exactly. What is journalism? Well, Wikipedia defines it as the production and distribution of reports on the interaction of events, facts, ideas, and people that are the news of the day and that informs society to at least some degree. I mean, look at the state of game journalism, and, you know, that, that seems pretty accurate. Some people start up their own blogs for fun, but, you know, also to build up experience, to be hired as a game journalist at some of the big websites because, you know, you report on the news of the day. That seems to be what generally most gaming outlets do. But there is a degree in journalism that you can get at universities. And if you talk to journalists older than us today, you know, older than millennials at least, they scoff at the notion of what journalism has become today. It's because journalism is rooted in basic tenets to the practice. There's a practice of ethics and standards. Common elements include the principles of truthfulness, accuracy, objectivity, impartiality, fairness, and public accountability. There's also the idea of the protection of sources. In the United States, at least, an extension of freedom of the press gives journalists a legal protection to keep the identity of a confidential informant private, even when demanded by police or prosecutors. Now, I'm not a journalist. I have no qualms about admitting that. I went to school to study film and TV and video. And if anything, by speaking in a microphone to you all, I'm more of a commentator or an entertainer. But in my day job, I produce digital media for public relations outside of the video game industry for what it's worth. Now, a company's PR department is a keeper of secrets. PR's relationship with journalism is complicated at best because when it comes to portraying a company in a positive light always, there are advantages to working well with journalists and sharing information. But as that keeper of secrets, PR often purposely keeps information away from journalists for a variety of reasons. Now, what should journalism be? It's a field that should always strive to report the truth even if that may not be in the company's or subject's best interests, because the public deserves the truth. Otherwise, the only news that the public receives is dictated by a company, or in some cases a nation, which will always state the facts that paint themselves in the best light. Now, the United States has a very famous example of this with Watergate. It was a major political scandal from the 1970s that essentially involved espionage on another political party. 
with President Richard Nixon becoming personally involved in its cover-up. Now, Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein discovered evidence of this political break-in and made it public because it was the people's right to know of this wrongdoing, as much as the Nixon administration would have liked to keep it secret. Now, is it starting to become clear what game journalism should be? It's not just the regurgitation of press releases from video game companies or the news of the day, though commentators can certainly use that as talking points, believe me. When it comes to writing video game reviews, I mean, that's closer to game criticism than it is journalism. Journalism is about finding the truth about what is happening in the world. And in games' cases, it's the game industry. It is informed by developing sources, staying unbiased, and remaining accurate even as information changes. It is not about creating fake news or rumors without truth, all for the sake of gaining clicks and fleeting internet fame. So we come to the story that happened a little more than 24 hours ago, where the game from Platinum Games, Scalebound, has been canceled by Microsoft. I mean, this is supposed to be one of their main first-party games this year. Even in my intro sequence for this show, The Power Switch, I have a little bit of the Scalebound protagonist. I mean, the, the Dante light dude bro, but I mean, this is going to be his last episode. I, I've got to scrap him. The game no longer exists. i got to use a different guy in the next episode. But it's a really interesting story when it comes to journalism. So let's talk about a particular internet journalist of note who I find very fascinating. His name is Liam Robertson, and he's a self-proclaimed video game history guy on his YouTube channel, but you may know him as a contributor to Unseen64 and Did You Know Gaming. Now, on January 8th at around 9.49 p.m. Eastern Time, Liam tweeted off a series of tweets that you know goes as follows. Every so often, you get a tip that is so hot that you don't want to go anywhere near it in case you get burned. Here's the little fire emoji and, interestingly, a dragon emoji. To continue, it's a shame that people are so touchy about game news. Nobody is allowed to objectively report on a hot rumor. You have to plant your flag in it and say, this will happen. You can't just say, this is what some are saying, let's wait and see. Some people will always twist your objective report to abuse you and say, well, you said X would happen. It's bullshit. End quote. And he's absolutely right. I mean, it's, it just goes to show the state of how people react to game news. And it's, it's complicated, but I think we can get to that soon. Anyway, the next day on January 9th, which was yesterday when we're recording this, at 1.43 p.m. Eastern Time, he says, Bad news. I'm hearing that Scalebound is in trouble, possibly canceled. Just rumors for now, but we'll see. If Microsoft makes it official, I will share more on what I have heard has been going on with Scalebound. Nasty business. Now, Liam is working on a video about the wonderful 101's production history. So he states that sources at Platinum Games reached out to him about Scalebound's fate. Now, details aren't specific, but he goes in a YouTube video to say that there have been creative differences between Microsoft and Platinum, as well as unrealistic expectation from the Western publisher's part. A few minutes later after Liam's tweets, Jason Schreier over at Kotaku posted Kotaku's article that basically mentioned these rumors that you know people around the industry had heard as well, but this was Kotaku's report on them, prompting Microsoft to say, hey, if you want to comment, go ahead. Now, Microsoft follows up with a statement nearly two hours later saying, after careful deliberation, Microsoft Studios has come to the decision to end production for Scalebound. We are working hard to deliver an amazing lineup of games to our fans this year, including Halo Wars 2, Crackdown 3, State of Decay 2, Sea of Thieves, and other great experiences. 
Now, in case this was not obvious to you, this is what public relations is. Ignore the bad news that's going on because that portrays the company negatively. Focus on the games that you have coming out this year. Try to portray the company in the best light despite what seems to be a very nasty situation. Again, this is PR. Now, Microsoft's handling of Xbox One exclusives can be discussed at another time, but it is telling that they have taken down official scale-bound videos, you know, as if the internet forgets. Plus, you should probably go back and look at their big announcements from E3 2014 and see just how many of those projects have either been canceled or still have yet to be released. So what does that have to do with journalism? Well, it all comes back to the Nintendo Switch, which has its big event later this week. Now, the history of reporting the possible truth about Nintendo Switch before Nintendo confirms the information this week, it'll likely come down to three journalists, Laura Kate Dale, Emily Rogers, and yes, Liam Robertson. It's especially telling when they confirm similar information amongst each other through tweets that they hear different sources, you know, kind of saying the same things. Or, you know, if they hear some other leak that's gotten out there and they say, oh, I share the same sources, but they kind of confirm amongst themselves that, you know, they really don't. It's pretty telling, actually. Now, whether they're independent journalists with their own websites or they outsource their work, it's the journalistic practice that should be commended, only changing reports when the information given by their sources change. And if much of what they say comes true later this week, I hope that they get the credit that they so richly deserve. But as Liam tweeted earlier, game enthusiasts aren't so friendly about that kind of thing. Look, I understand. We love being surprised with video game news when it comes out of nowhere. I mean, Cloud in Super Smash Brothers? That was amazing. But when moments like that happen, recognize it as the accomplishment of a video game company keeping their secret so well that nobody with inside information became a journalist's source. To say that journalists should stop ruining the surprises, that is a trap that companies want you to fall for so that they control the information. Or are your own confirmation biases so prevalent in your life that you are only comfortable being told information that fits what you want to hear by companies that you feel personally connected to? Is this your way of avoiding the truth? Well, then that really is fake news. When a journalist chooses whether or not to make information public, that is their own choice. Yes, some journalists, especially when they start out, may want to hold off on that hot scoop because they fear it'll damage the relationship they have with the PR department at their favorite game studio. And you know, they like getting those download keys after all. Or a more experienced journalist may be waiting for another source to corroborate a story or something about the whole thing just seems fishy. The public does not get to determine what a journalist goes through and what they do, though. If someone is trying to play journalist by creating falsehoods, on the other hand, well, that's a whole separate issue entirely. It is an individual's responsibility at the end of the day to not take every journalist's report as gospel. But understand that if the journalist has properly done their job, it is informed by protected sources. And again, doing the job is a big if. I'm sure you've come across rumors back in your day where people just made up information to try to take the credit of journalism when they're really far from it. At the end of the day, though, journalism has an important role to play in everyday life. It is part of how we have a functioning and a free society. This is also the case with the video game industry. If we are going to be a medium to be respected, then maybe we should respect our journalists as well, as long as they prove to be reliable practicers of the craft in today's information age.
Anyway, that's what I have to say. When we come back, we'll get to the callers. What do you think about what I had to say? I'd love to hear your thoughts, but you can also bring up whatever gaming topic you'd like to discuss. And don't forget, you can also reply to what another caller had to say too. Well, that's when we get back from the break here on The Power Switch. Welcome back to The Power Switch. Let's get to the calls here, talk about game journalism, Nintendo Switch, whatever you'd like to talk about. So let's open it up. Yvonne from Illinois, welcome to The Power Switch. Hello. Hey, how are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. My mic works this time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were here in our, our call room last episode, oh, yeah. couldn't fit you in, a lot of tech issues, but I'm glad you're here. What's on your mind? Yeah. Um, so I wanted to talk actually about, you know, since you brought up games journalism, something that's on my mind a lot, which is, you know, we got all these sites, IGN, um, Game Informer that do written word, but then you have YouTube where there's a lot of video, like um, Greg Miller, you know, kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have the Easy Allies, Electronic Playground Network with Victor Lucas, just all those people. Basically. All of them do great work. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And um, but do you think that video is because I just have this feeling and I think part of it is, you know, a generational thing, you know, as the generations progress, you know, especially because I'm part of that generation, we have bad attention span kind of and we tend to it's trouble for me to read long story short Mm -hmm. um, sometimes. But I am curious to know, do you think that in the future it's going to be mainly video that that's going to wipe out the written word or do you think they can coexist that's a good question and that's an interesting perspective uh you know i'm an older millennial but i still kind of fall into that so i i often am presented with a lot of those cliches by some at work i think there is a place for both to exist um obviously video helps for the whole attention span thing which i think is valid but it also provides for you know just a much quicker immediacy uh, when you have, you know, you can just, you know, drop of the hat, record a podcast anytime, like, you know, easy eyes can, or like kind of funny can, uh, I think that's, there's a very effective form of communication. Uh, whereas it does take time to, you know, write something up, but at the same time, uh, especially as social media becomes more prevalent, I think there is a, a purpose to, you know, mentioning with the games journalism in the last segment, you know, the whole news of the day. Uh, sort of the regurgitation of press releases to kind of have the news in a concise form. Because honestly, I mean, we when we look at our phones and if we're addicted, you know, that's one thing or another. But if we look at our phones, we're not going to be able to watch a video. And if we want that information right away, you're going to need to read it. You know, it, granted, you know, there may be a, a way where obviously we've seen the decline of the magazine industry, which, you know, Game Informer originally, uh, you know, started from. But they've been starting to adapt to their digital content. But, you know, places like IGN, I mean, that's like the biggest, it's the biggest game site in the world. And you could argue that, you know, the market share of those big sites has decreased, but I don't think it's going to to disappear completely. You know, people are always talking about how, um, you know, there's a lot of video content on YouTube, but there is video content on sites like Game Informer. So I'm not too into Let's Plays anymore, but Game Informer did like a lot of Let's Plays, Replay, um, which they play like retro games. I don't know if you've ever seen that before or not. I've heard of it, but yeah, I'm, I'm not one for watching Let's Plays either, so I, I totally get you there. It's like, for me, it's like if I want to watch a game, I play the game. <laughs> oh, exactly, yeah. 
yeah, unless I, I'm really awful at it. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just want to see the ending. Fighting yeah. games. I'm trying to get into Ultimate Marvel, but that's another subject. Ooh, that's that's fighting games are tough. That takes a whole other skill set. And yeah, I know I'll watch you know let's plays if you know for example uh, Inside this past year it had a secret ending apparently and like I had no idea when I finished the game but I want to know what the secret ending is. I'm not gonna go back and play through the game and you know unlock all of those keys that are necessarily. But you know I'm gonna go to a let's play. I'm gonna see what it is. You know, I'll, I'm an adult. I have you know a time restraint, so I'll, I'll go to that. So there are there is value in let's plays, and it's you know certainly. I mean, gosh, you look at kids, you know, and I'm talking like, you know, young kids. I know, yeah. you know, friends who have young kids and the t- kind of were like, you know, they know how to use the tablet so early and they're what, you know, the, all the Minecraft videos. I, it's, it sounds like a, a just trouble. Oh, those Minecraft videos. But like, I mean, that's what <laughs> that's what kids are growing up doing. So, I mean, there is the place for Let's Play. And yeah, you say those big websites are, I think they're, it's mostly reactionary. They're trying to kind of get into a, a piece of that. But, you know, I, there is something to say about, Especially when it's long written form, there's there's value in that, and that's something that those big sites are going to have. You know, they're going to hire the best people to do things like that. Um, but I, I think there is a way for both to exist. But the traditional media is a little unstable a bit by by the change in the market share, and uh, they're they're a little worried about their future. And I think that's why they try to react that way. But I think as we you know grow to find that balance, both can certainly exist. Because it's funny because I'm actually someone who's interested in, you know, just like I think a lot of people want to get into games, media. And uh, when I was younger, you know, I was someone who I wanted to work for like Game Informer and stuff. But, you know, then I think like, well, you look at like, again, you look at kind of funny. That stuff is very generated by the they do the thing. It's more free form and then it's controlled by the people with Patreon. Yes. Yep. Because I also like creativity when it comes to that stuff. I don't like to regurgitate the news. That's my big problem, especially because people are bending the news too in their favors to mm-hmm. push agendas or something. Yep, yep, right. Yeah, I have a problem with that, especially if I had to do that stuff. So I'd like to be more creative. One thing I've noticed, people get mad when someone, let's say someone reviewed a platformer and they hate platforming games. So it's like, what do you expect? This person reviewed it and he doesn't. But it's like, do you think that's on the site's fault, kind of, because they got someone who doesn't really know a lot about that, where they could, or same thing with the fighting game. You should get someone who's knowledgeable on that and not just say, oh, this game, this game sucks. It's uh, it's really hard, or these mechanics are flawed, but really it's because they don't study the mechanics. They don't really pay much attention because they're not passionate about it. Oh, my God. Absolutely. It's it's definitely on the media outlet to assign the reviewer who's someone who's knowledgeable about the genre, you know, enjoys the genre, appreciates it. But it's also on the viewer, the reader, the you know, the listener even, to understand that reviews are subjective. They are not objective. And you're going to have a difference of opinion. And that's okay. Difference of opinion on the internet is okay. I know a lot of people don't believe that, but it's the God's honest truth. So, yeah, you know, definitely. And Interesting thing about the whole, you know, you're talking about Patreon and, you know, kind of funny, definitely a big disruptor in that whole movement. But as someone who, I mean, I'm not going to try to toot my own horn here, but, you know, been podcasting a long time. I was even tried to live stream for a long time. If anyone remembers the name Stickham, like I'm like back from those days trying to use Stickham as a broadcasting service and just the technology and how that's changed and how that's become more available to people, that I think has been a huge, 
huge change in how people have decided, I'm going to do this for myself. I'm going to try to produce content that I think people will like. The cost of production has dropped. So that has really just opened the whole industry really up to consumers. It's also kind of tough too at the same time because if you, you know, for the consumers, it's great. But for the people who want to create, it makes things a lot harder. But it's also good because it ups the game, makes more competition and stuff you can say. Absolutely. Yeah, you had the competition. You got to be on, on your best behavior, really. And just, you know, yeah, be on the top of it. Absolutely. I got to ask, because I know I probably got to go soon. Um, what are some guys you watch that you really enjoy? Because oh I know gosh, you're yeah. a big kind of funny fan. Big I kind know of funny you mentioned fan. Uh, I'm a yeah. huge kind of funny fan. I've followed Greg Miller since I was 14. 19. Wow. And that's that's been a long time. I think, what, he's coming up on 10 years in the game industry, you said, yeah, recently? Yeah, it's nuts. And uh, he's really awesome. I've never met him. I'd love to meet him, go to like, those kind of funny live events or something. That would be awesome one day. And uh, he seems very genuine, and he loves what he does. He worked through even through uh, cancer, which, yeah, you know, yeah. that's, that's hard. That's, you know, when you go through the chemo, and that's uh, not easy. And, you know, he did it anyways, despite his schedule, despite, you know, some problems. So, yeah. No, the kind of funny guys are amazing. Yeah, Greg Miller, a, a big inspiration. I mean, really all of them. I mean, they they have done really a remarkable job in creating that industry for their own. Uh, definitely Easy Allies. Jim Sterling, another big one. Yes. Uh, he, he's, he's a former journalist who left because of that reason, if I'm pretty sure what yeah. we're talking about, about. Yeah, he was at Destructoid. He had some time with The Escapist. And then, yeah, just going from there to you know branch on his own. And he's another one who's picked up the Patreon ball, ran with it, and made an industry for himself and just made a living. It's it's remarkable. Um, I mean, gosh, you can go back in the old days. I mean, there's there's zero punctuation. There's, uh, I mean, got the old old days of the angry video game nerd. I mean, angry video game nerd is fantastic. He is so passionate about what he does, um, mm-hmm. and he, it's a totally different way. You know, there's a lot of copycats. I don't think as anymore, but back then there were so many copycats. Um, you know, and he was he's, really he's one of the originals. Yeah, and his movie stuff I really like too. I know this is a games podcast, but really quick, I just wanted to like I liked his uh, Monster Madness stuff. That was. Really mm-hmm. No, I mean to have you have a rooting in in filmmaking, and that's you know what I, I went to school for, and I, that's so he's a he's a big inspiration for sure. And if another group that is you know really great at talking about games positively and critically, uh, extra credits, they yeah, they I do not get enough credit. Them. I recently checked them out, and I was like, how have I not? And I was actually watching them recommend other YouTubers, and it was like. I was just looking, you know, and I've seen their other videos too, and they're really good about how video games saved his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, and they just, they really go into depth about things, which is what I like. It's because as much as I like comedy guys like James Rolfe, of course, and John Tron, I do like yeah. informative too. Right, right. I, I mean, like yeah. to be educated, not just laugh, you know? Right. And uh, the, the normal boots guy is another, yeah, big inspiration. John Tron, PBG, Gerard, uh, the completionist. So. Completionist yeah, is great. Yeah, I mean, I I love people who can you know think positively about games, but also critically, and you know a yeah. lot of them just do the great job. I, yeah, so it's it's a different topic entirely, but I appreciate the question, yeah. and and it seems like we have similar tastes, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, Yvonne, thank you so much for calling in. Where can people find you on the internet? You can find me um, on Twitter at punkfan97. It's all one word, and uh, you can find me on YouTube. My channel name is Ivan Lekovic. I don't really post a lot of content. Like I said, I want to do vlogs probably. And uh, I haven't really done too many video game stuff. I only have two videos. I-V-A-N 
like Ivan, and then Lekovic, L-E-K-O-V-I-C. And it should show like the Court of Owls, if anyone's familiar with Batman, the the picture, the whatever it is, Court of Owls. So yeah, if you see that, that's my channel. So uh, yeah. Very cool. Great insight. Thank you so much for calling. Glad we could fit you in. No problem. No problem. See you. Over in Indianapolis, Indiana, Logan, welcome to the Power Switch. How are you? Hey, Peter. How's it going? Thanks for having me on. Good, good. We had uh, Max on last week. You guys are both uh, from the Millennial Gaming Speak podcast, so I'm glad to hear your end uh, here today. Yeah, glad to be here. So what do you want to talk about? Um, so after hearing your intro to the show this week and you so eloquently talking about kind of the state of games journalism and games medium as a whole, and uh, especially with the trend of... I refer to them personally as leakers because I really don't consider them journalists. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I wanted to talk about just the whole leak culture that is happening right now Definitely. in video games. And I think it's really problematic personally. I think we've gotten into a dangerous area where I feel like everybody's trying to be first rather than reporting like actual truth. And I don't want to get too carried away because I don't know the process that many of these people have who are trying to be the first to get these stories. And you mentioned a couple of the more notable ones, at least like Emily Rogers and uh, Lorca Buzz, people like that who have been really active specifically with the switch and mm -hmm. trying to get information out about that ahead of the event that's coming up later this week. Right. Um, I think that there is a place for that probably within the industry, but I find it problematic when their entire work, I guess I would call it, is centered around that. Um, I feel like they're just constantly trying to report the things that they hear inside from obviously the sources they have. And the other problem that I have with it is I'm curious to know how many sources that they do have because is it just one person that is telling them things? Is it multiple people? The internet is so focused on being first, rather whether it's a comment section on YouTube or whether it's stories like this in the gaming industry. I just think it's getting really disturbing to see that people are trying to get, get ahead of the story so quickly. And I think Twitter has kind of aided that as well because it just a quick 140 character tweet shoots up and they they can tell you immediately what they've heard from their sources recently. And I know many of them do end up doing write-ups either once a week or once every few days when they do hear a bigger story. But for the most part, to me, it seems like following them and things like that, it really does just come straight out of their Twitter feed and they just tell everybody what they hear. Going off of that, I think it's problematic because it puts the game developers who aren't ready to reveal this information out into the public, it kind of puts them on the edge and then they have to play defensively from that point because we as the consumers feel like we know everything that they're going to do and at the same time they want to surprise us like they don't want their hand to be shown at a certain point and I, I that's personally why i don't like it is these leakers are spreading info that the developer has clearly not wanted us to know yet or else they would have told us and they are instead getting out ahead of the story so i think investigative journalism definitely has a place in various, whether it be sports or politics, things like that, I definitely think it has its place. I'm not a huge fan of the way it is happening in the gaming industry right now, though. Mm -hmm. So a few things. I think the whole, you know, mentioning the whole being first as opposed to being right, that's journalism as a whole. That's not just games, as you well know. And yes. you're absolutely yeah. right. I think, you know, social media, particularly Twitter, has definitely exacerbated that. Uh, that's that's become a big issue. As far as uh, you know, when these these leakers have their sources, I know Laura Kate Dale in particular. Uh, she has her website letsplayvideogames.com. Yep. Recently did a write up detailing you know all their sources. I think she has 
five, six, seven different sources, and they all come okay. from different points. And so she mentions in each sort of story that she's talked about, I mean, granted, she's the person who, you know, hours or so before, it was about an hour before Nintendo made it official, got the kind of tip that you know, this, this Switch trailer is going to come down tomorrow. So, I mean, when she had heard the Switch name but didn't want to put it out there. So when these people end up being correct, I mean, I don't think we can you know, be too harsh on them because they have their different sources. And it's a matter of these sources talking. I think that's another yes. key point is that, yes, the company may have their plans to delight and surprise us. But then you also have these people connected to that company, and they're the ones responsible for going out and talking and being the sources for these journalists. So it's not just a, a two-way street, but it's, the, it's that source in the middle that plays that dangerous game. I mean, it's not like the journalist is going in and, you know, hacking into yeah. emails and things like that. It's, it's honest journalist work. That, that they're doing by getting all these different sources. And so, yeah, and people may ask, like, who is Emily Rogers? And yes, she has a track record. I remember, you know, several years ago, she had had a rumor that uh, there was the whole, it's going to be a Metroid and Star Fox crossover for E3 and all that. But at the same time, people change. And yeah, you're going to hold, you know, actions of several years ago against someone who may have different sources. And another thing that's coming up is I know a lot of people are saying that, oh, well, you said one thing now and now you're saying a different thing. Well, that's because the source information changes. It's the same thing what's going on right now with The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Yep. And, you know, a lot of people were saying around the industry that yeah, this, this may slide out of March. I mean, it may be looking to June. But now sources are coming back with updated information. Nintendo's probably had discussions since then. Marketing is starting to roll out and say, oh, well, it looks like at least in North America, they're trying to push for March. That's not saying they were wrong at the time. They were probably right at the time, but the circumstances have changed. So, I mean, I think games is still a very early medium as a whole. Yeah, I mean, we, we're still sure. learning, you know, a lot of these kind of boundaries and it is very dangerous when you have people that are trying to abuse this power. I, you know, I mentioned, you know, these other possible leakers that are trying to spring up. I mean, particularly there's the the Gino rumor. Uh, the guy goes by the name of Gino, and he's trying to say all these things about Switch. One of them being, you know, oh, they've got they've got that VR patent. It's, you know, they have a certain name for it. But oh, they're going to talk about Nintendo VR with the Switch. And then, you know, these three with uh, Emily Rogers and Laura Kate Dale and Liam Robertson, they're kind of talking amongst each other on Twitter. I'm like, nope, uh, they, they say they have the same sources, but they don't. We haven't heard yeah. any of that. And it's, that's pretty telling when those three have been so right for most of this time. And then they have one outlier. So, yeah, it is dangerous and abusive when people try to take advantage of that public trust and, you know, take advantage of that hype. That's, I think, where we kind of have to learn as an industry. But... I'm sure other aspects of journalism, other industries have similar problems. It's just, you know, we have to do a better job of discerning that information for ourselves as well. Yeah, you know, we can't just necessarily take everything at a straight face. And I get where people may not want to believe the leakers and whatnot, but I think we at least have to keep it on our radar, at least when they have such a, a track for record sure. like those have. Yeah, and I didn't mean to necessarily vilify them because you are right. I mean, many times they do end up being right. And I mean, that was valid journalism. Like they did their job. They did what they set out to do. And when they are right, like they do deserve congratulations for that. Mm, yeah. um, it is that source in the middle. You are correct with that. And I'm wondering whether these companies internally, Nintendo specifically, knows 
which employees it is and if they're fine with that word getting out. And that's a deeper question that I would be interested in hearing because uh, face value, you would think that these companies don't want it getting out because, I mean, like I said, specifically with sticking with Nintendo, they're obviously trying to hold all of their cards until this event on the 12th. They don't want anything getting out. They have been so specifically quiet with their messaging with the Switch that I just can't see why they would be okay if they did know that a select group of people were telling these uh, journalists or leakers, whatever you want to call them, certain specific info about the Switch or about Breath of the Wild or anything like that. I think what's causing concern to me, though, so I am currently an editor for a PlayStation website. Mm -hmm. And the trend that I have seen in my time with this site is that I brought up the race to be first. And of course, like you mentioned, that is, that's a common thing among all forms of journalism. There were a few at this, I I feel like I can talk about this now because these writers who worked at this site with me are not there anymore, but we had some younger writers on staff who were so obsessed and focused with being first to a story that they wouldn't worry about the facts that were coming out about a story. So again, if there were rumors or possible leaks about something that we expected to see ahead of time that was all but confirmed except for actually seeing it, these writers on our staff would preemptively write up the news stories for them as if they were fact so that all they had to do once it was confirmed was to just hit publish. And I kept urging them, that is not a good practice at all. You're absolutely right. You should not be doing that by any means. And I'm hoping... I mean, I say the younger generation, I'm only 22, and these people I was working with were about 18, so we're comparable ages. But I just Mm -hmm. think that if this industry does continue to go more towards this leak-type culture, and like you said, many people are trying to establish themselves as such a person in social media networks, specifically on Twitter, or carving out their own websites or something like that to write up personal blogs and have their own independent thing and gain a following that way. I hope that this generation that is coming up and wants to get in games media doesn't look to them as okay this is how they do it therefore this is how we should do it because i i really do think that the three we keep mentioning while they are doing actual journalism and i obviously didn't read laura kate dale's piece where she does talk about her sources that's something i actually would be interested in looking at once we mm-hmm. uh finish this show here of that's course, something you know, i have to go check I, out. I should mention you know she still protects them you know keeps them anonymous but yeah. you know mentions it's like oh this one you know works for ubisoft so they would have knowledge of the games that ubisoft are working on with nintendo and, and well, she talks connect, about, yeah, she talks about like her that. process, yeah. which mm-hmm. is interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if that all connects or you get what I'm saying. But, yeah, I am worried that because, and this is really seems like a more recent thing in the industry. This has really started to gain some steam, this mm-hmm. model of reporting within the past two to three years. I mean, it, we've gone, the gaming industry has gone from one extreme to the other within the past 15 years where we used to only get news 20 years ago, once a month from a gaming magazine where, right, hey, here's right, everything yeah. that happened at E3, to where now it's, hey, here's what we can expect to see from this company, I think, three months from now. You should take my word on this. And it's all still reporting, but it is getting to a dangerous point where I am concerned about the people who are coming up in the industry now and how they are going to be reporting. Because again, we do call it games journalism. But oftentimes it is more of, I've always thought of it more as enthusiast writing or as enthusiast reporting. And you need mm-hmm. to have that base knowledge of what journalism actually is and what it is you are doing in this industry. Because if you write about games, that does not automatically qualify you as being a journalist. So 
I don't know. I just Absolutely. think there's cause for concern in a lot of areas, and I hope that this doesn't spin out of control and become a major issue in the future. I think you're totally spot on. And when you're talking about, yeah, those younger writers, it's yeah, it's, it's writers that don't have journalistic training. I mean, when you we talk to older journalists who have had the training, going through school, getting that journalist degree, and yeah, honestly, they're they're disgusted by the kind of writing in all fields that happens in that rush to be first. And yeah, it's it's really the lack of training and what is perceived as journalism, but is really not. And again, like this is coming from someone who does not have that training, but is at least, I think, learned enough to understand yeah. that perspective. Same same with you. I mean, yeah, even though yeah. you're a young guy, I mean, you seem to have good head on your, on your shoulders and you know generally the practices. I mean, because yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, should not be writing up rumors as if they're fact. That's irresponsible. That's dangerous. Absolutely right. Um, yeah, I mean, always check with multiple sources and make sure that, I mean, don't just report on one rumor. I mean, this, these are just things I preach basic. myself. And again, it's like, basic, yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't have any formal journalist training. Not really. I was kind of a, I'm in college currently. I started out as a journalism major, quickly switched degrees because I was too afraid to just major in that alone. Mm -hmm. So now I'm getting yeah. more of a broad media degree. So I do have a slight background in it. But yeah, it's just discerning and knowing when to report and when to hold your cards and be like, okay, let's wait and see this play out a bit more before we go too crazy here. For sure. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just too much haphazard reporting. And again, the leakers specifically that we've mentioned, I don't think they are the worst of the worst, but I'm afraid of the people who may come up underneath them and try by, to establish yeah, themselves. By them inspiring others and then those ones coming up don't go through the same processes. I totally agree. Yes. And then as far as Nintendo and people inside Nintendo and worrying about that information getting out, I'll tell you, man, like that's public relations 101. Like yeah. that's why they hire people to manage that damage control and to try to find, you know, where those different, uh, you know, possible leaks may be. I, that's, that's why people are hired to do PR. That's, yeah. I, and I mean, and then yeah. it gets into the whole ethics of, well, should the leakers be reporting this if the company doesn't want it out? And it's like, well, they're still a journalist. So yep. it's their job. So if they're hearing that, of course, they're going to potentially report on it. But you get and, into a weird sort of gray area where you don't know what you should be doing. And that's why many of them, especially with these leakers, like that's why they'll report one thing, but you oftentimes won't see those same reports on an IGN or a GameSpot or anything. Those They, they won't report half that stuff. They'll leave that to those people. For sure. So. And, you know, you know, give Kotaku whatever, you know, crap people want to with the whole, during the whole Gamergate thing, whatever. I think a lot of that was unfounded personally. But Kotaku has been actually one of the outlets, you know, doing legit reporting. I mean, with all totally the, the Ubisoft leaks, with you know, Bethesda. And yeah, those, you know, publishers and companies, they've burned Kotaku for it. And that's, you know, that's all part of the game. And I think that's why when you're talking about the young writers coming up and they start a website and they like getting review codes. And if they come across something like that, I mean, I mentioned earlier, like they may be hesitant to publish that because they like that little cozy relationship. And that's yes. playing the exact yep. game that the company wants with PR. Yeah, and we've run into issues with that as well with our mm -hmm. small little site with review codes and things like that. So I think people get in over their heads and they don't know what to do. But yeah, again, I'll agree with you. Kotaku, they do. I think they do the best reporting on the internet, honestly. I think Jason Schreier and Patrick Klepek, who's now with Waypoint, I yep. think are yep. the two best reporters in this industry. Totally they agree. are totally agree. 
they're the top dogs of this industry right now. And I think Kotaku does great work. Um, I can't really remember a situation where they've been wrong, even going as far back as the Fallout 4 leaks that they published a few years ago. Oh, yeah. Those all turned out to be spot on in the end when the game was actually revealed. So Kotaku does incredible work, and I think that's so deserving of praise for them. And I think it is idiotic that so many people continue to land blast them because their quality of work and their reporting is always pretty much spot on and that is commendable for the bigger sites because like i said they are very hesitant to report those things look at ign a few years ago when they uh, reported that the last guardian was canceled and that blew up into a whole thing and like it's rare for sites to post big stories like that when they are not 100 sure and uh for kotaku to continue to do that and almost always get it right in the end is i i think so deserving of praise Absolutely. At the end of the day, it's all about sources and it's all about that training. Well, Logan, great, great points. Really appreciate the insight. Where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter. I am at moreman12, M-O-O-R-E, man12, last name and all that stuff. Uh, You can also, as Peter said earlier, find me on Millennial Gaming Speak, which is a podcast that I have myself. Uh, Peter, maybe we'll see you on there sooner rather than later too. I am hoping so. And go Cubs! Go Cubs, baby. What a year. World Series champs. What a year. I was, I was having fun it. following your Twitter account as that was all unraveling. And uh, my Tigers have some rebuilding to do, but I think they'll be a yeah, little stagnant. Yeah, I think they're about to blow it up. So that'll be fun to watch, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, we'll see what happens. Well, Logan, thanks so much for calling in. Really appreciate the time. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Max from Florida. Welcome back to the Power Switch. Hey, Peter. How's it going? Good, good. Just <laughs> heard from Logan. Now I hear from the other half of the Millennial Gaming Speak podcast. Yeah, it's uh, I actually really like this show format because I get to just pop in whenever I want. That's pretty cool. It's like you're you got to be on the ready. Absolutely. Ready for those discord notifications. Oh, for sure. And, you know, it's I know it's a tough time during the weekdays when it's a specific time frame that I can only record during and be oh, yeah. at time zones and whatnot. I mean, we try to get recording on the weekends, so hopefully more people can be free. But I appreciate your availability. So what do you want to talk about? You were talking about games journalism on this episode and. Mm-hmm. different things and with the switch event this thursday i thought i'd try to tie the two together totally fitting yep. and talk about how if the nintendo switch was was a boat in the water it's got a ton of holes in it yeah and it's leaking yeah. lots and lots of water which is weird and, for a nintendo product wouldn't you say yeah when you think about their products in the grand scheme and their games and you know secret projects and stuff they're usually pretty tight but the switch has just been left and right people leaking things all over the place and it's it's pretty interesting how silent Nintendo has been through months and months of leaking especially after they officially announced the switch back in October right right the events here in 2 days from the time we're recording this and we feel like we know pretty much everything we've got lots of people talking around the 250 300 price point GameStop things are leaking from Germany and release mm-hmm. dates and all mm-hmm. this stuff Zelda release date keeps going back and forth and March is sounding more and more likely, at least for the U.S. audience, even after those Target ads went up. Yep. Logan was alluding to this a little earlier. There's almost no mystery or magic left to the Switch event. And I'm really curious, personally, just what's left for them to talk about on Thursday. Yeah, it's almost like... You know, at this point, what would surprise you about the event, right? I think if we see some third-party exclusive that we hadn't heard about before, I think that'd be a great surprise. I think going into it, what I don't want people to do is to be disappointed by what they show. Because if everything happens 
that you know we've heard about and leaked about, that's still a great showing. If they hit that 250 price point, if they have those launch games, that's a great showing. Yeah, it may not totally surprise you, but you know, I, I'm sure that they've put everything that they can in this one hour presentation to try to show as much as possible. We'll be getting a lot of hands-on from different journalists that are going to their local mm -hmm. events to try it hands-on. That's really exciting. I think that's probably the most exciting thing. The journalists that are gonna try to dig into, you know, that detailed information, like what are the specs? Let's talk about that. I think that's something to look forward to. I just don't want people to, you know, look at a Nintendo presentation that may have, you know, 90, 95% information <laughs> that we know about and say, well, that was a bad presentation. I didn't like that at all. Like, I wasn't surprised, so therefore it was bad. Like that's, I think that's the wrong approach there. Yeah, that for sure. Because if Zelda Breath of the Wild is a launch game, whether the rumors recently are confirmed, that's still crazy that we're getting Zelda Breath of the Wild here in two months, possibly. Yeah, think about it. yeah, two um, months. That's amazing. This kind of a move reminds me a lot of Fallout Four, or more actually more apt, I guess, would be Mass Effect Andromeda with. Um, we've known about Mass Effect Andromeda for quite a long time. EA, I think two E3s ago, was doing all those dev diaries during the oh press gosh, conference. Yeah, yeah. And Mass Effect was formally announced at that event. And then Mass Effect's been really quiet until this year, uh, 2016, where they showed it off at E3 and then the Game Awards. And now we've got the official announcement that it's coming out March 21st, mm -hmm. uh, which is two months away. And while we've known about the game in whole, Really, the specific kind of information and in seeing the game has really been in the past eight to nine months. And that's pretty exciting for Mass Effect fans. And I think Nintendo's doing a similar thing with the Switch. We've known about the Switch's existence for 18 months at this point, uh, but we really haven't seen it until October. And now we're getting ready to come up here in January, two months before it's supposed to launch, and get this whole flood of information that's going to be really exciting. And that includes Zelda, which we saw extensively at E3. And... I think they're really generating some good hype behind it, even though leaks are all over the place. Mm -hmm. And with Zelda in particular, too, I think what's really exciting is that, yeah, we saw Zelda running on the Switch uh, during the Tonight Show with uh, oh, yeah, Jimmy, the Fallon. Jimmy Fallon thing. But that was just off screen and, you know, you can only discern so much. But all the rest of the Zelda footage we've seen, it's on the Wii U. Performance mm. not that great. Frame rate. You know, how does the, the environment change with the open world? So I think that's going to be really exciting to see. Just, you know, more Switch-specific Zelda footage. Yeah. One thing I particularly am excited about is the kind of the operating system or the Nintendo oh, gosh, OS, yeah. as oh, yeah. people have nicknamed it. That is something that's been actually sealed tight, and no one really knows anything. The I think the closest we've gotten is during that Jimmy Fallon event, when Reggie took the Switch out of the dock, it looked as if he had to confirm yep, yep. putting it in some form of portable mode. That's it. And that's like so specific and just even a theory at that point. It's That's going to be really cool. And surprisingly, Mario. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. only thing from Mario we've seen was what they showed in the reveal trailer and then that... I think humorous rumor going around that it's called Mario's Switcheroo, which I would love <laughs> if it was called that, but I highly doubt it. I think that's the Geno leak that the the main three yeah, Nintendo leakers are trying to disprove, but it's a, it's a funny name. No, I mean, that's true. I mean, we've only seen those few shots of Mario before the girl goes and brings the Switch to a rooftop party. To party. Kate, we're trying to have conversations. We're drinking here. What are you bringing your Nintendo here for? 
but yeah, and that'll be exciting to see that, and you know, to actually see visual representation of the the Rabbids Mario RPG. If that's you know going to be a confirmed thing, I, I think there's still a lot of excitement. I mean, I, I've been also interested about Beyond Good and Evil, and if they have mm. you know a video teaser at the end of it, that would be really. So I think there's still nuggets still here and there. Still some magic left to be had. I mean, I don't know if we'll necessarily get the the big total shock of, you know, the whole equivalent of Cloud and Smash Brothers, though it would be great to finally hear about the Cloud Amiibo. Amiibo. Uh, yeah, but... You know, well, it's it'll come out with the Switch version of the game, don't you know? There you go. And, and hey, maybe with some new characters, too, maybe. Um, please, Shovel Knight, please. There's already an Amiibo. You don't have to make it again. Just give me Shovel Knight, please. Exactly. So I think there's still some excitement. And yeah, when it comes with Nintendo being a leaky ship, I mean, that's it's all about the different sources that are wanting to talk. Not only that, but I think there's just a special kind of excitement for Nintendo news in general. I mean, we saw it with Smash Brothers mm-hmm. and all the leaks there, the ESRB leak that ended up being you know right on the money. So there's a, a specific kind of passion that I think just amps it up a little bit more when it's Nintendo. Uh, so it's not totally their fault. It's maybe more the fervor of those who are wanting to disclose that information. But also it mm. is it is the the kind of middleman as we were talking about with Logan. But yeah, you mentioned with the Nintendo OS, we had uh, Matt in the Dark Ryan last episode. And he was talking about needs to be a good system first, a, a fun system to use. And that'll be really interesting to see with all the hands-on. Yeah. All right, good stuff. Uh, you know, Max, you were on the show last week. But, you know, to reiterate, where can people find you on the internet? People can find me on the internet uh, on Twitter at Max the White, and uh, like Logan said earlier, we we host a podcast together called Millennial Gaming Speak, and you can find us on iTunes or SoundCloud. This week, I think Logan and I are going to be testing some sort of live reaction to the Switch, and then um, we're going to be having a full breakdown of the Switch and all the news that comes out over the weekend that we'll be recording on Sunday. Great stuff. Looking forward to it. Thanks so much for calling in. Thank you. And over in Illinois, Video Game Guru 64, welcome back to the Power Switch. Hello, can you hear me now? Yep, yep, good. Okay, cool. The thing that I wanted to bring up was the NVIDIA Shield 2, which was revealed at CES uh, last week. Yeah, yeah, definitely. uh, It looked surprisingly like the Switch, so I don't know, and it's going to be costing like 200 so i don't know what's going on with that it is interesting i mean nvidia does have a stake in the nintendo switch obviously they have the graphics processor and you know the creators of the shield as well Uh, i think you know because they are the creator and they can kind of drop the price a little bit and that's all about margins that's all marketing there's they're going to try to steal some some market share but, you know, NVIDIA is also making a pretty good cut from Nintendo Switch. And so I don't think they're too worried about the price difference. Um, yeah, NVIDIA is in a weird place because they also had, during that press conference, they had the uh, the GeForce Now, which is their whole yeah. stream gameplay from a, a powerful PC. It's almost like the PlayStation Now equivalent. And their pricing is, is ridiculous on that. I think it's way too expensive. So... I love NVIDIA. I mean, I have a powerful graphics card in my computer and all that. So they make great stuff there. But... I think the whole, you know, set-top box like Amazon's tried to do and NVIDIA tries to still keep going on with that, with the Shield, I think it's still a market that hasn't really been totally tested well yet. And I think there's they're just happy that they got a console bid, really. Yeah, but I don't know if it's going to sell or not. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not sure either. I mean, yeah, the, the first Shield had some struggles there. I mean, does this, yeah. I wonder if the, you know, the power difference, does it, that make a difference? Yeah. Maybe since... Uh, Nintendo's 
giving some share there that it can boost off the switch or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think they'll probably definitely see what you know the switch does, and I'm sure they gather you know lots of data and what of performance and whatnot from that. Uh, that'll that'll be interesting to see, and I think that's you know two hundred is a fair price point for that because they could have easily gone two fifty. It's not as powerful, I don't think, as you know obviously some of their you know computer graphics for sure, but I'm sure it does what they want it to do. And it's using the Maxwell architecture, mm-hmm. so which is so. it's not Pascal, which is you know what those high end uh, graphics cards are doing. Arguably, Nintendo is pretty similar as far as a general Maxwell power sort of thing with the Switch. So I think yeah. they probably put comparable sort of a power you know devices in that. I, mean, I would still have to see the specs to be sure, but it sounds yeah. like kind of in that range. Yeah. So that's all I wanted to talk about. So yeah. Well, I appreciate it. I mean, you know, CES was an interesting event. I was there for automotive, so I didn't get to really check out the floor, but it's a weird year when they're talking about 8K TVs as well at the same event. And, you know, 4K adoption has been you know pretty low as well. So it's always an interesting place, but, you know, good to talk about gaming news from CES as well. Thank you. Where can yeah. people find you on the internet? Video Game Guru 64, uh, everywhere. I'm not on Instagram just the main media things. Yeah. <laughs> so see ya. All right. Thanks, Video Game Guru. Take it easy. All right. When we come back, we're going to do a wrap-up of the different headlines that have come out of the past week. And it'll be a fun little wrap to the show. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Power Switch. Let's get into a headline roundup. A lot of things to talk about with Nintendo Switch, especially as we're in the last couple days before this big event. The last rumors are starting to squeak on out here and just to kind of get themselves known a little bit. We start with a Nintendo social media post over in France that is wondering, what are you most looking forward to about playing Splatoon on Nintendo Switch? Oops, think that, you know, might have jumped out a little bit too early. Plus, you know, Nintendo has apparently invited some pro Splatoon players to a hands-on event. So yeah, that's that's pretty much definitely happening. I have not played Splatoon yet on Wii U, and if it's on Nintendo Switch, I think that's probably where I'm going to be playing it, especially if it's a pack-in game, but we'll see if that happens. GameStop over in Germany, there is a picture of an inventory screen, and you know, those have been so easy to fake in the past, but you know, it seems sort of legit, at least worth mentioning, just to discuss the possibilities. Some placeholders there, you know, a couple Sonic games, one being Sonic 2017, but would not surprise me if Sonic Mania gets announced for Nintendo Switch. Some interesting things though, Dragon Quest 10 and 11. Square Enix kind of confirmed that 10 was coming to Switch again, but we also have 11 on the way as well. Lego City Undercover joins. Are we getting a new Lego City game? That would be interesting. And Monster Hunter was also on that rumored list. That would be huge if Japan especially gets a Monster Hunter game. I mean, Monster Hunter is pretty big over here, but it's a megaton over in Japan. That would be just a big, big get over there and just would really help the popularity to start off at the launch. At Best Buy, there is apparently people reporting that there was a price notification in store systems for those that were higher up in the Best Buy sort of hierarchy, I guess you could say, that 
the price for Nintendo Switch should be dropped to $249.99. That kind of lines up with different rumors that we're hearing, but it doesn't mention you know any other SKUs. Uh, just would be interesting if that's you know the starting price. I think that's a really good starting point. I mean that'd be a great way to get people on board early. Also, we had GameStop's Nintendo Switch website go up with a quote saying. Nintendo Switch games will include new title offerings from Mario, Splatoon, Zelda, the NBA, and more. You will even be able to play Skyrim on the go or Pokemon at home with the Nintendo Switch. The unit will include a number of handy, interchangeable Nintendo Switch accessories. Now, the Pokemon at home bit, that got scratched from their website, but that kind of leads to that uh, Pokemon Stars might be a thing that is happening. That would be really interesting. Also interesting that they mention the NBA and Skyrim. You know, I, they take it from the trailer, but will that be confirmed at this weekend's event? We'll have to see. And finally, yeah, just breaking, Hori accessories, you know, accessories from Hori that are officially licensed by Nintendo. A lot of different things, you know, leaking out on NeoGAF, you know, other Nintendo sites have picked this up. Some interesting things I've known, I think an arcade fight stick controller. Is that possible that maybe is something like a Pokken port in the works if they're talking about getting a fight stick controller for Nintendo Switch? Interesting. Uh, a LAN adapter. So that kind of almost proves that, you know, there probably isn't anything built in, but requiring the LAN adapter just like Wii U. A car adapter, you know, playing like, you know, Mario Kart uh, for Nintendo Switch, like in the car in that trailer. And then, of course, a stand if you want to have it be on the plane. And then you got to detach those Joy-Cons and use it. So give a look. at. There's a lot more, but it's really interesting to see some of those in particular. Also, Mass Effect Andromeda, March 21st, 2017, as Max mentioned. Injustice 2, another release date announced from Ed Boon, May 16th, 2017. So some couple of release dates mentioned there. Finally, Conan's Clueless Gamer segment could get its own TV show. But Conan may not host, but he would executive produce. I don't get it. What's the point of making a Clueless Gamer show if it's if it doesn't have Conan? Like that's the whole bit is that Conan doesn't get games and that's part of the fun, that's the humor, the comedy. I don't get it. I mean, TBS is saying, yeah, we get a company sending us games to play and we can only do so many Clueless Gamers, so maybe we spin it off in our own show. Come on, let's let's actually get the casting right before you start making those kind of decisions. Anyway, that'll do it for this episode of The Power Switch. We are hosted by RhymesWithAsia.com and we're on YouTube and Twitch at RhymesWithAsia. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Power Switch. You can email us any questions, concerns, comments, or opportunities at PowerSwitchPod at gmail.com. Most importantly, to participate in future episodes, you should join our community on Discord by visiting bit.ly slash thepowerswitch. That's with TPS in upper caps. It's a small but growing community, and in these early months of the show, it'll be easier than ever to have your voice heard on this podcast. Now, our next show will be Friday, January 13th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. We'll have lots to discuss about Nintendo Switch. I mean, we'll have, you know, the event from the previous night. We'll have the Treehouse stream with the games from that morning. Not yet about the uh, different hands-on things, maybe during the weekend, but let's, let's start with the early reactions. Friday night, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Looking forward to, you know, having you join us for our next episode, whether it's live or on your own time. With that, I'm Peter Spasia. Until next time, switch up, call in, game on. <laughs>